Hello, and welcome to another episode of Whole and Complete Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Shantae, and this is the podcast all about faith and wellness, loving God, living well. And we are smack in the middle of another series, the Promise Keeper series. And actually, folks, this will be the last series before the holiday break, because y'all don't listen to me during the holidays. <laughs> like once the middle of December comes, people are like, okay, I'm gonna get caught up on the old episodes. I'm going to binge watch me some Netflix and all that who shot John. So yeah, so we have this episode, we have our finale episode for this series. And then we're going to take two weeks off for the holidays. And I will be right back in the mix right in January. For those of you who are new to this podcast, this is a series based podcast, which means that every topic has a series of three or four episodes so that we can kind of fully unpack the topic. And usually on the finale of the episode, I have a special guest that I invite to offer their perspectives, whether they're spiritual or psychological perspectives on what we are discussing. So if you are new to the Promise Keeper series, this is episode two of three. So if you are just now hearing this, you should go back and listen to that first episode. Now, as we always do, we have a guiding text for this part of our series. And today's text is actually really dense. This is a book that I rarely speak and teach out of, but I'm gonna try to break this thing down today. It is coming from 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. And it says this, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. That is a whole mouthful, and I have a whole lot to say about that. So today we are going to be focusing on the particulars of the promise, the problem with the promise, and patience for the promise. I did it again. Yay, alliteration. Okay, here we go. Let's talk about the particulars, okay? So today we are getting into some of the nittier, grittier details, okay? To remind everyone what a promise is, a promise is a declaration or an assurance that one will do a particular thing or that a particular thing will happen. It's like a guarantee, okay? And the first part of our guiding text says that his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So let's get into that part first. His divine power, God's divine power, the same power that created the heavens and the earth, the same power that keeps the stars in the sky and the earth on its axis, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power, the same power that has granted believers, that is you and me, everything that is necessary to live a life that is in alignment with God's will. That is what that verse is saying, that God's divine power has given us, has granted to us, all things, all the things that pertain to life and godliness, godliness, meaning all the things that are necessary to live a life that is in alignment with God's will. It also says that through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So the full verse is his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So I really struggled not to turn this into an English grammar 
linguistic lesson because you all are intelligent people and but I was really tempted okay because these transitions and these prepositional phrases are really important okay they're really important but I know that if I took the time to do that it would be like Rachel Maddow have you ever watched Rachel Maddow who is oh my gosh that woman is brilliant but she can be long-winded because she takes a she takes a long stroll through the park before she like arrives at the point and y'all ain't got that kind of time. So <laughs> I didn't do that. But what I said previously was that God's divine power gives us everything that we need to live a life that is in alignment with his will through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Keyword here is through. So God has granted us that power. And how did he do it? Through meaning the vehicle for that through knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So according to Edwin Bloom, who is like a renowned theologian, okay, like he has written commentaries on commentaries on commentaries. According to him, the ancient Greek word knowledge here, okay, does not refer to a casual acquaintance. Like, hey, you know, Jumba, oh, which one? Over there on, uh, on Troop Street. Oh, yeah, 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 I know him, I know him. We ain't talking about that kind of note. This ain't some casual acquaintance, you know, some somebody that you are, you know how you have all these Facebook friends and you really don't know them. We ain't talking about that kind of knowledge. This kind of knowledge is referring to an exact, complete and thorough knowledge. So God's divine power has been granted to us to live a life that is in alignment with what he has called us to do through a complete and thorough knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. What does that mean? This means that the divine power of God, the very power that we need to live a life in alignment with God cannot be accessed unless we are constantly in pursuit of a complete and thorough knowledge of God. So in order for us to live a life in alignment with God, we have to have a complete and thorough knowledge of God. And you cannot have a complete and thorough knowledge of God unless you have had some experience with God. And I know that that sounded like a mouthful, but here's the bottom line. If you want to tap into the power that allows you to live the life that God has called you to live, you have to do that in pursuit of an intimate and personal and deep relationship with him. And you cannot have a deep and intimate and personal relationship with him unless you have had some experience with God. So that divine power that equips us to do that can be acquired through an intimate pursuit and relationship with God. The verse also says that he has called us to a standard of moral excellence because it says the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence. And so what is that standard of moral excellence? That standard is Jesus. The verse also goes on to say, so verse four, by which he has granted to us his very precious and great promises so that through them, you may become partakers of the divine nature. What does that mean? What does this all mean? Bottom line, the more we come to know God, the more we come to pursue God, the more we study God and walk with God and talk with God and experience God, the more empowered we become to live a life that looks less like us and more like Christ. But this is a process. 
Okay, this is not some overnight, just add water, you know, box cake type of joint. This is like a, a process. And for some of us, it's a very long process. So does that mean that as believers, we cannot access God's promises until we're walking on water like Jesus? No, absolutely not. It does not mean that. Last week, we said that all of God's promises are yes and amen in Christ. So our access to the promises of God is through Christ, okay, for his own glory and reputation. God is never going to fall short of what he says he's going to do. God is very much about putting some respect on his name. Like if you read the Bible cover to cover, yes, it is a story of love and redemption, but God never hesitates to remind you who he is okay if he has to pull somebody's collar and be like you better recognize okay so god is is always about making sure that his name his reputation remains very much so intact so for his own glory okay for his own name he will not he cannot make a promise and not fulfill it and not keep it. Romans chapter three, verse four says, let God be true and every man a liar, which means if somebody going to be lying up in here, it ain't going to be the Lord. It's going to be one of us. He said, "Mm -mm. (laughs) God does not play those games. And the remainder of this verse says, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And the verse that I'm referring to is second Peter chapter one, verse four says by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. And so when we break all that down, God, the power of God is so far and beyond the corruption of this world. And if we are to be partakers, that is beneficiaries of his divine nature and tap into the fullness of all the promises, we have to turn our backs on worldly corruption as well. Worldly corruption tends to express itself through lust. And I'm not just talking about physical lust, like, oh, girl, you look good. Okay. I'm not talking about that. I mean, that is part of it, but a lust for things like fame and riches, which are self-seeking and ego-pleasing. If you think about all the things that the world uses to measure success, the, the metrics of success, you know, I recently joined this app. I was invited to this app called Clubhouse, and I'm sure many of you have heard of it, but it amazes me the amount of people that will pile into these rooms, you know, that to listen in on how to get rich, how to, you know, get wealthy, how to build wealth, you know, like, that's that's the driver. And I understand that when you don't have it and you see what money can do and you see the options that money can provide, I completely understand the popularity for these rooms. At the same time, a lot of the things that you have to do to get it, okay, or the things that have to be sacrificed in order to get it, or even the reason behind it can raise some eyebrows, which brings us to the problem with the promise. Here's the problem with the promise, okay? Romans 7, 18, this is the Apostle Paul. He says, for I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. He said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So in these previous verses in 2 Peter, it talks about God's divine nature, okay? And the character of God. So God's nature is divine and holy and perfect and blameless. We ain't that. That is not (laughs) 
who we are. That is not who we came into the world being. Um, our flesh is like the antithesis of all the good and godly things. Okay. So Paul is saying here, look, I want to do what's right, but in my flesh, if you just left me to my own devices, good luck with that okay jay-z said and that's in his album 444 he said i mess up a good thing if you let me leave me alone becky you know like left to my own devices i would mess this thing up so the part of the problem with the promise is us okay the heart wants what the heart wants jeremiah 17 verses 9 and 10 says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can understand it some versions say who can know it Verse 10, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind and give to every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. So part of the reason why we struggle to believe and experience the promises of God is because in our hearts, we long for, chase after and desire things that have nothing to do with God that have no lasting impact that have no lasting power that are really ego pleasing and self-seeking James chapter four verses three and four notice a recurrent theme here because we referenced this in the confidence series James says you crave what you do not have you kill and you covet but you are unable to obtain it you quarrel and you fight you do not have because you do not ask. And when you do ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may squander it on your pleasures. Have you ever been mad at God? Like for real, like low key, you just wasn't rocking with God because your life didn't look like you thought it should be looking by now. You ever secretly been envious of somebody else's success and wonder how come God didn't bless you like that? Well, that puts me in the mind of a good and dear friend of mine, Kristen Harris. And she has a great podcast called God Put Me Up On Game. And I will never forget, uh, Kristen was at a conference that I hosted and I asked her to speak. And she said this and she dropped this gem. And I said, oh, thank you, Lord, for that, because I will never forget that. She said, you want my portion, but do you want my process? A lot of you want the portion, but you don't want the process, Okay. Everything that God promised to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph did not come without significant sacrifices and trial. Okay, it this ain't a something for nothing type of exchange. You know, God's promises, many of them come with, quote unquote, spiritual strings attached. And usually those strings or the string is faith. Do you have faith enough to move out of your comfort zone? Do you have faith enough to give up that thing that you love so much? Do you have faith enough to wait for what God has promised you? A lot of those things, okay, those portions, you know, descendants that number the sand of the sea and all of that came with some heavy strings attached. So you want the portion, but do you want the process? And some of you are in the process right now and you feel in some kind of way. You be like, man, is this what it, is this what it takes? Is this what I have to do? Is, is this the work that's involved? Yeah. Sidebar. Okay. So let me just take a, a brief detour. I've been married before. You all know that, especially if you listen to the Believe in Bigger series, y'all know all about it. But here's the thing. Had I not been so eager <laughs> to jump into that covenant relationship 
had I recognized that there was some work that needed to be done in order for that relationship to thrive, namely work that I needed to do on myself, work that I did not start doing until after the marriage had dissolved. And now that I've done the work, I look back now and I'm like, there is no flipping way. that this thing had a snowball's chance of survival with me not going through the process of what was necessary to successfully acquire the portion. Now, let me get back on the main road. So you have to be mature enough, okay, spiritually mature enough to interrogate the root of your desires. If you are side-eyeing God because you think he's not holding up his end of the bargain, he might be side-eyeing you. Because he knows that what you want is your attempt to satisfy some insecurities or address some self-esteem issues or try to prove things to people who are flaky and fair weather, okay? Matthew 6, 19 and 20, very familiar verse says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust will destroy it and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. I have heard this said at many a black funeral, and that is you will never see a U-Haul behind the hearse. Okay, so (laughs) many of us have been gaslighted into believing that more is more. Right. But the truth is, you can't take it with you. You cannot take it with you. The more followers, the more likes, the more money, the more fancy vacations, the more successful we are. Right. We are hardwired, hardwired into thinking that this life is the only life there is. But I'm going to tell you what, if this pandemic has taught us anything, if it has taught us anything, it is this. Death does not happen in chronological order. Okay, so I don't care if you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, your number could be up at any time. And all the likes, all the followers, all the, the money in the bank is not going to do anything for you in the kingdom. So when you make that transition, what will you have to show for your life? Because US dollars don't spend in the kingdom. Euros do not have any value in the kingdom. The only currency that spends in the kingdom is the fruit of faith and faithfulness. So does that mean that, you know, getting money and wealth is wrong? No, I'm not saying that. Of course not. But the way that you go about getting it and the value that you place on it and what you do when you get it, All of that matters to God. The Bible does not say that money is the root of all evil, even though a lot of people uh, erroneously quote that. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. So when I say the heart wants what the heart wants, you have to really interrogate what's in your heart and why do you want the things that you want and desire? Which brings us to patience with the promise. Genesis 18, 10 through 14 says... Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And one of them, uh, Sarah and Abraham had three visitors uh, and said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed at herself as she thought, (laughs) After I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why does Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. 
key words here that I don't want you to miss out of these verses. Appointed time. Ooh, Jesus, you should have felt that in your back. The hairs on your neck should have stood up because your blessing, your promise, that thing that you desire in your heart and from a pure place, not from a place of of pride or ego or self-seeking or whatever, that thing that you desire has an appointed time to manifest. Your blessing is on a due date, not a deadline. And when you're operating on deadlines, then that's when you are filled with anxiety and fear. One of the hardest things in the life of a believer is waiting on God. Trust me, I know. When God promises something, we want to cash in our tokens right then and there. But delayed gratification has been studied so thoroughly in the field of psychology. And one of the most famous studies is the marshmallow experiment. So I'm going to put this link in the show notes. But if you go to TED, so TED Talks, TED.com, and look up the marshmallow experiment or Joaquin de Posada, which is my favorite version of it, you will thoroughly enjoy what I'm about to explain to you. So during this experiment conducted at Stanford University, children the ages of four to six years old were given these large marshmallows. And they were told, if you don't eat this marshmallow and wait until the experimenter comes back, In 15 minutes, you will get two marshmallows. So the experimenter leaves and two out of three kids eat the marshmallow right away. (laughs) But the one that waited ended up with two marshmallows. So they did a longitudinal study, meaning they followed and tracked these kids over a period of time. And so 14, 15 years later, they found that each child that had waited to eat the marshmallow was doing well, doing well academically, thriving in leadership, all those good things. And many of those who did not wait were not doing well. Many of them had bad grades. They was in trouble with the law, all kinds of things. Now, this is just one study, so I'm not trying to make blanket sweeping generalizations about all the kids that ate the marshmallows. But the conclusion that they drew was that delayed gratification was a significant predictor of success, that if you can just wait exercise patience, the more likely that you were to succeed in life. And if you think about it, I mean, really think about it. How many of you wish that you had waited for certain things to come into your life? Of course, God can bring good out of any situation. But if you had to do it over again, okay, how many of you would have waited to get married? How many of you would have waited to have kids? How many of you would have waited to buy that car or buy that house or join that club or whatever it is? Okay. First Corinthians 612, Paul says, some of you say we can do anything we want to do. But I tell you that not everything is good for you. So I refuse to let anything have power over me. Reverend Naomi said in the Confidence Series that we are volitional beings. That means that we have choice, okay? You can do whatever you want to do, but everything that you want to do is not always going to be beneficial to you. That's what this scripture is saying. Just because it looks good to you does not mean that it's good for you. And sometimes you will jump the gun and try to manufacture your own blessing and find yourself in bondage, which is why Paul said, I'm not going to let anything have power over me just because I can do it. Doesn't mean that I should do it. And if God didn't bring it to me, then I'm going to go ahead and wait. We have to stop having spiritual FOMO. Okay. FOMO means fear of missing out. If I don't get a man now, if I don't get that car now, if I don't take this job, You know, when we struggle to wait on the promises of God, it is rooted in one thing and one thing only, and that is fear. It's fear. It's fear. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of missing out on? What are you afraid is going to happen? And 
fear is the opposite of faith. And God says very plainly, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So just like Sarah, we start doing the math. And when things don't add up, we take matters into our own hands. And in the Abraham and Sarah situation, did God honor his promise? Yes, of course he did. I just told you, God, don't be making promises and shucking and jiving. He is true to his word. But did Sarah and Abraham pay the consequences for choosing to act in fear instead of faith? Yes, they did. And to this day, the descendants of Ishmael and Isaac are still very much at odds. Psalms 84 11 says, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Every good parent knows when their child is ready for certain things and when their child is not. You know if your child can handle the pressures of social media. You know if your child is ready to stay home alone. You know if your child can be trusted to go to the store and come right back. God knows us too. That's our daddy. (laughs) He knows us. He made us. And God is not in the business of holding back blessings. That's not his nature. God is a giver. Okay, he's a giver. And he always wants to give when we're ready to receive. And it's our job to do what is necessary, going back to those earlier verses, okay, of building that intimate, close relationship with God. It's our job to do what is necessary to be ready. And you have to ask yourself, how are you preparing for the things that you desire? How are you preparing spiritually for the promises that you want fulfilled? How are you preparing physically and mentally? How are you feeding your faith? And are you waiting with joy and expectation or with agitation and anxiety? And all of those things make the difference with respect to God's promises. And it's interesting, you know, God had promised the children of Israel, the infamous promised land, right? It literally was called the promised land. And yet Moses' generation never saw the promised land. Why? Because they waited with fear and doubt and anxiety and agitation. And so God was content to let them wander and wander and wander until they died out. And it was not until Joshua's generation. Okay, so God is still holding true to his promise because those still were the chosen people. It wasn't until Joshua's generation that they were able to go forward and and fight the battles that were necessary to, to receive that land. Again, Joshua had to fight battles to get the promised land. It was promised, but it didn't come without some process, y'all. Okay, so I will leave it right there and close on this note. Back to our original, original guiding verse, which was God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? That's Numbers 23, 19. So next week we will have our finale and oh, I'm so excited about this guest. It's an honor and a privilege to have this woman, Dr. Kenya Ayers, actually Dr. Kenya Ayers Palmore will be with us. And this woman is very near and dear to me. She is exact. We are so very much alike except that she's like me on steroids. Okay, so that just puts into context (laughs) what you can expect uh, next week. She just has such a depth of wisdom and spiritual understanding and anointing on her life, uh, just off the chain. So she is going to close us out on the Promise Keeper series. And if you have any questions, comments, takeaways, all that good stuff, you know you can hit me up at Dr. Shante Says, and I will see you next time.